This time, Steve Andrews, sir, if you'll come with our sermon titled Day of Atonement. This is a uh, wonderful day to be here. And as uh, the first message, Curtis, this is an interesting day. Couched between a time of judgment on the earth, being the Feast of Trumpets, and a time in which we are commanded to rejoice at the Feast of Tabernacles. We have a day called the Day of Atonement. And that's what we're here today to talk about. It's a very interesting day and there's a lot to it, a lot of information in the Bible about atonement and what we will be looking at different things um, on this day. In fact, it's a holy convocation. Um, there was a special sacrifice on this day this is also the time that Jubilee will be declared. And I'm assuming that Jubilee will be declared in the kingdom of God when we know what day to, to actually declare that. This is a day when the high priest works, where everybody else is supposed to be resting and fasting. He's fasting, but he's working. And some of the other priests are also working today as our high priest is working today. It has things to do with the mercy seat, the word atonement, the word propitiation, reconciliation, and of course our Savior and our high priest, Jesus Christ. And as um, Lawrence said, I had a couple of scriptures I was going to read all of Leviticus 23 about the Day of Atonement, but since he read that, I will read just the two verses that I want to really focus on this afternoon about the Day of Atonement in Leviticus 23, and beginning in verse 26, and the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, This is not man's day. <laughs> This is the Lord's day, if you want to talk about it that way. He set these up for us because we need them. Frankly, we need these days. The whole world needs to understand these days, and especially this day. They really need to understand this day. So he says, also on the tenth day of the seventh month, there shall be a day of atonement. It shall be a holy convocation to you, and you shall afflict your souls and offer an offering made by fire to the Lord, and you shall do no work in that same day, for it is a day of atonement to make an atonement for you before the Lord. Now it's interesting, all of the things that are talked about in here, especially the fact that it's a holy convocation, it's a holy assembly, it's a time for us to meet with God. And that's what we're doing today. We have assembled together and we have, we're asking that God be present with us as we fast and as we come before him and on this day of atonement. 
So it is a holy convocation, a holy assembly. You shall afflict your souls. Now, we don't use, uh, you know, a flat, you know, fledgling, or how they, yeah, flail our soul, uh, our bodies, and, and mark them and all of that. Uh, I'll get it right one of these times here. But we do afflict our souls. So if you'll turn to Isaiah, the 58th chapter, we will see what the Bible says about afflicting the soul. If I can find Isaiah in here, we'll be all right. Isaiah, the 58th chapter. Just a few verses here. I'm going to kind of mix this up, uh, Brian. I hope I'll be able to. Yep, he got right with me there. Beginning in verse 4. Behold, you fast for strife and debate and to smite with the fist of wickedness. You shall not fast as you do this day to make your voice to be heard on high. It is such a fast that I have chosen a day for a man to afflict his whole. It is to bow down his head as a bulrush and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him. Will you call this a fast, an acceptable day to the Lord? Is not this the fast that I have chosen? No matter what, whether it's the holy day or whenever we decide to fast, this is the time that God has chosen. He, this time, if we have chosen it to be before God, we need to read this and we need to understand this is our attitude. Is not this the fast that I have chosen? To loosen the bands of wickedness, all of sin, and come short of the glory of God. That's what this day is all about, brethren. And to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke. Is it not to deal your bread to the hungry, and you to bring the poor that are cast out of your house? When you see the naked, that you cover him, and that you hide not yourself from your own flesh, and then he gives a promise, and then shall your light break forth as a morning. Your health shall spring forth speedily, and your righteousness shall go before you. And the glory of the Lord shall be your reward. And so we are, we are commanded to fast on this day. That is afflicting the souls as part of this day. And so we do that. We fast on this holy day of atonement. Let's go back now. For a couple more points here in Leviticus 23. In these two verses that we have, I want to read them again. Holy convocation, afflicting our souls. We've offered the offering that we can do today, which is a monetary offering to honor God, to give what we have of our substance. He shall do no work in that same day. So we take off, although this is our normal most of us normally off on, on the Sabbath. This is a double high day, but we know that on his holy days we do uh, take off from work and our, our regular work. For it is a day of atonement. And there is a key, there's two key words here that are very, very interesting. It is a day of atonement to make an atonement for you before the Lord your God. And really, the word atonement actually comes from the word that comes from make an atonement. I'd like to go, I've got my trusty handy iPad here. It's a little older edition than the newest ones they have. But I really like eSword because it gives me the opportunity to go in there and just with the King James Version and all the strong concordance numbers there, I just punch the number. Instantly, I have an understanding of what that particular word or words mean. And the word atonement, of course, we're all familiar with that. It's Kippur, 
Yom Kippur, Day of Atonement. We see it on calendars everywhere. But it says, and then the Strong's Concordance makes it expiation or atonement. And um, it comes from the, the, another word, which is the, one that, the word that actually says to make an atonement, which is 37.22 in the Strong's Concordance. And it's kafar. Instead of kippur, it is kafar. It is a prime root to cover. And this is one of the more interesting things about the Day of Atonement. That it is all about covering. Specifically with bitumen. And we find that, for, that word first used in Genesis, the sixth chapter, where he is asked to, um, I, think, let's see if I, I think it's Genesis, the sixth chapter. I wrote it down, but I guess I didn't write it down. <laughs> anyway, it's in Genesis where he tells Noah to pitch the ark on the outside and on the inside with, with pitch to cover, to cover, to make an atonement on the ark. <laughs> Interesting, isn't it? It also can have other meanings, uh, figuratively to expiate or condone, to placate, to cancel, to appease. Of course, to make an atonement, to cleanse, to disannul, to forgive, be merciful. Interesting. To be merciful. To be merciful. To pacify, to pardon, and of course to pitch, to purge, to pull, uh, put off, to make reconciliation. All of those things in that one little old word. Um, again, kafar, kafar. I'm glad that they also separate them because I'm not very good at the Hebrew on that. And I, <clears throat> I often wondered how the, uh, how the ministers got through uh, uh, preaching for a full hour and a half. That's what we used to sit by and on the Day of Atonement. And I'm even having trouble with the first 10 minutes. So, <laughs> so anyway, uh, please bear with me as I know all of us are fasting today and it's always a struggle but instead of, I noticed that it said Days of Atonement. I'm glad that it isn't the Days of Atonement. We have only one day that we fast. And as we get older, we understand that, that, that it's more and more difficult to do. And sometimes even those who have physical problems or you know, medical uh, situations, it's very difficult for them. And they have to work that out in their own, in their own way. But for those of us who are capable God commands us to fast on this day, the Day of Atonement. So those were the two that I really wanted to look at in that. So let's go to, let's go to Leviticus, the 16th chapter, which goes through the ceremony that the high priest went through on this day, this Day of Atonement. And it's a very fascinating um, ceremony with a lot of interesting things in it that I'm not sure we understand completely. We have a traditional understanding of it, and we'll talk a little bit about that. We'll also talk about what I think stands out in this these, uh, chapter 16, um, because it's mentioned 13 times. And when you mention something over and over and over again, the emphasis must be in that particular area, and not to discount some of the other things that we'll talk about. So as we look at chapter 16, the Lord spoke to Moses, 
after the death of the two sons of Aaron when they offered before the Lord and they died. So they went in. They, when it wasn't the Day of Atonement, it wasn't for them. They offered in there. Lightning, power came down from God. I wouldn't say lightning, but it was probably just power from God and destroyed both of them. And they were told not at all to um, mourn over them. They were not supposed to be in there. So he warns. He says, this is, this is only for the high priest. Speak to Aaron, your brother, that he come not at all times into the holy place within the veil before the mercy seat, which is upon the ark, that he die not, for I will appear in the cloud upon the mercy seat. All of this are types, of course, that look forward into the kingdom, of, look forward into the heavenly realm, and look forward to the kingdom of God. Thus shall Aaron come into the holy place with a young bullock for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. He shall put on the holy linen coat, as, we, as was mentioned earlier, there are many different changes of garments in there. And it's for purpose and a reason. And there's a lot of cleanliness that goes on. God wants cleanliness. He wants these garments, specific garments, as they, as they come before him on this holy day. Because it's a very holy day. He shall put on the holy linen coat, and he shall have the linen breeches upon his flesh. He shall be girded with a linen girdle and with a linen mitre. Shall he be attired? These are the holy garments. Therefore shall he wash his flesh in water and put them on. And he shall take of the congregation of the children of Israel two kids of the goats for a sin offering and one ram for a burnt offering. And Aaron shall offer his bullock for a sin offering which is for himself and make an atonement for himself for and for his house. So this is the first word to make an atonement, the kafir to cover, to expiate an atonement. Make an atonement. He shall take two goats and present them before the Lord. Now here are the two goats. Traditionally, we look at this, and I'll, as I'll read this, and then we'll talk about the traditional one. Traditionally, we look at this as, and we'll read it here. And he shall take the two goats and present them to the Lord at the door of the tabernacle, the congregation. And Aaron shall cast lots upon them, upon the two goats. One lot for the Lord and the other lot for the scapegoat, or the Azazel, as the uh, Hebrew is. And Aaron shall bring the goat upon which the Lord's lot fell and offer him for a sin offering. But the goat on which the lot fell to be a scapegoat shall be prepared alive before the Lord to make an atonement. Again, this one also is to make an atonement. And it's an interesting thing that that live goat also makes an atonement with him, and to let him go for a scapegoat into the wilderness. Aaron shall bring the bullock of the sin offering, which is for himself, and shall make an atonement for himself and for his house, kill the bullock of the sin offering, which is for himself. He shall take a censer full of the burning coals of the fire from off the altar before the Lord, and his hands full of sweet incense, beaten small, and bring it within the veil. Remember, the veil is closed at all times. There is no one to go in that veil except for the high priest once a year on the Day of Atonement. We understand what happens in the future. We'll get to that here in a little bit. Beautiful way that God points us to Christ, points us 
to reconciliation, points us to holiness, his holiness. And even in this, we can, we can glean a great deal from how this um, service helps the children of Israel for their sins to be covered, because that's what it means, to cover those sins. We understand that death was, the, the penalty for killing someone was death, the penalty for adultery was death. So these, you know, leaves a, a few of those sins that aren't covered, but other sins will be covered in this ceremony, this part of this ceremony. And so let's go on here. He shall take the censer full of burning coals off the fire from the altar before the Lord, and the hands full of sweet incense, beaten small, and bring it into the veil. He shall put on this. Uh, he shall put the incense upon the fire before the Lord, that the cloud of the incense may cover the mercy seat that is upon the testimony that he die not. And he shall take of the blood of the bullock and sprinkle it with his finger upon the mercy seat eastward, and before the mercy seat shall he sprinkle of the blood with his fingers seven times. Then shall he kill the goat of the sin offering that is, of, is for the people and bring its blood within the veil and do with that blood as he did with the blood of the bullock and sprinkle it upon the mercy seat before the mercy seat. And he shall make an atonement for the holy place. So now we have, he, he makes an atonement for himself and now he begins to make an atonement for, for, the, for the rest of the things, the holy place because of the uncleanness of the children of Israel and because of the transgressions in all their sins and so shall he do for the tabernacle, the congregation that there remains among them in the midst of their uncleanness. And so what we're seeing here is the atonement for the, the sins of the children of Israel and the cleanness that will, be, will result from this, this uh, sacrifice. There shall be no man in the tabernacle of the congregation when he goes to make an atonement in the holy place until he has come out and have made an atonement for himself and for his household and for all the congregation of Israel. So he's making this for all the congregation of Israel. And he shall go out on the altar before the Lord and make an atonement for it and shall take of the blood of the bullock and the blood of the goat and put it upon the horns of the altar round about. And he shall sprinkle of the blood upon it with his finger seven times and cleanse it and hallow it from the uncleanness of the children of Israel. So this points to the fact that they have sinned, they need, um, they need mercy, they need expiation, they need atonement. And all of this is for that. And when he has made an end of reconciling the holy place and the tabernacle and the congregation and the altar, he shall bring the live goat. And Aaron shall lay his hands upon the head of the live goat and confess over him and all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions and all their sins, putting them on the head of the goat. And you shall send them away in the hand of a fit man into the wilderness. Now, it's interesting that we, we see, um, typically we see Satan in this, in this situation because we could go back into Revelation, the 20th chapter. You want to turn right there. It's interesting that the high priest puts the sins on him, but he does not take the goat. He does not leave the temple. He, there is a, what is called a fit man. And if you go back to Revelation, the 20th chapter, you see that 
Satan is not handled by Jesus. He's not touched by... He's touched by an angel. I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain on his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil, the, the, and Satan, and bound him a thousand years and cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And then, of course, he's going to be loose for a very short season. And so we, we, we have seen this connection uh, between this Zaziel goat um, and the, the sins being put on it, although it doesn't say anything about that there. But that's been the way that we've, we've looked at that. And so I'm going to leave it at that. But we also understand from some others that, they, that, you know, that our, our Savior took our sins to the cross. And he died for us. You know what it says there in the scriptures um, that the Father gave the Son for our sins. And he died for us. And when, we, when we're baptized, we, we go into that watery grave and we come up new. Become up a, a new create a new creature a new creation. Just as Joe and Chelsea last night came up out of that watery grave. So we we see different things here. Again, I want to focus on the the, the fact that this word "make an atonement" is is quite a few times in this in this. So let's go on now with the rest of the story with the rest of what this ceremony. Uh, implied, and then we're going to go into the book of Hebrews, and we're going to look at what Jesus does today. So let's let's quickly go to, go here. Once again, Aaron laid both hands upon the head of the live goat, confess over him all the iniquities of the children of Israel, all the transgressions of all the sins, putting upon the head of the goat, and shall send him away in the hand of the fit man into the wilderness, and the goat shall bear upon him all their iniquities in the land not inhabited. And he shall, and he shall let the goat go. Um, he shall let it go. I'll get it right. And he shall let go the goat in the wilderness. And Aaron shall come into the tabernacle of the congregation and shall put off the linen garments, which he had put on when he went into the holy place, and shall leave them there. And he shall wash his flesh with water in the holy place, and put on his garments and come forth and offer his burnt offering and burnt offerings of the people and make an atonement for himself and for the people. And the fat of the sin offering shall be, shall he burn upon the altar. And he uh, that let go the goat for the scapegoat shall wash his clothes and bathe his flesh in water and afterwards come into the camp. So he's unclean. It's interesting. That goat become an unclean animal even though it was a clean animal to start out with. And that man, that fit man that came back, he had to wash himself before he could come back into the camp. Symbolizing that that um, the sins were, you know, God does not like sin. That's, that's what it amounts to. He just, and he has, he has come up uh, in this particular instance with something to cover those sins and we're going to go to, to how he's doing that today. 
let's continue on here in, um, what verse did I finish up on? 26. So let's go to verse um, 27. And the bullock for a sin offering and the goat for a sin offering, whose blood brought was brought in to make an atonement in the holy place, shall the one carry forth outside the camp and shall burn in the, in the fire of their skins and their flesh and their dung. And he that burns them shall wash his clothes and bathe his flesh in the water, and afterwards he shall come into the camp. And this shall be a statue for, uh, forever to you, that in the seventh month, on the tenth day of the month, you shall afflict your souls and do no work at all, whether it be one of your own country or a stranger or so, that sojourns among you. For on that day shall the priest make an atonement for you. He shall make an atonement for you to cleanse you that you may be clean from all your sins before the Lord. It shall be a Sabbath of rest to you. You shall afflict your souls by the statue forever. And the priest whom he shall anoint and whom he shall consecrate to minister in the priest's office in his father's stead shall make the atonement and shall put on the linen clothes, even the holy garments. And he shall make an atonement for the holy sanctuary. He shall make an atonement for the tabernacle, the congregation, and for the altar. And he shall make an atonement for the priest and for the people of the congregation. Understand all of the different things, the responsibilities that he has to make an atonement for. Because it's very important as we look into the future. And this shall be an everlasting statue for you to make an atonement for the children of Israel for all their sins once a year. And he did as the Lord commanded Moses. Before we go on to um, Hebrews, which is where I want to go, I'd like to, to go to Leviticus, the 25th chapter, because there's going to be a great time. I think this is Leviticus 25 I want to go to. Uh, there's going to be a great time coming, and, and it's going to happen on this day, the Day of Atonement. And it's called a Jubilee. Now, while there is reconciliation, there is uh, atonement, there is also a reconciling coming, a liberty coming to the land, a liberty coming to the whole world. And it's called in the Bible the day of Jubilee or the year of Jubilee. It's the 50th year. And the Sabbath, let's beginning, I think I've got it set to, to begin in verse 8. He says, you shall number seven Sabbaths of years to you, seven times seven years, and the space of seven Sabbaths of years shall be to you forty and nine years. Then shall you cause the trumpet of the tr jubilee to sound. On the tenth day of the seventh month, in the day of atonement, shall you make the trumpet sound throughout all your land. Wow. Look forward to that day too. I want to be there when this is truly fulfilled in the kingdom. You shall hallow the 50th year and proclaim liberty throughout all the land and your, uh, to all the inhabitants thereof. It shall be a jubilee to you. And you shall return every man to his possession. You shall return every man to his family. A jubilee shall, be that, shall that 50th year be to you. And you shall not sow, neither reap that which grows of itself in it, nor gather the grapes in it for your vineyard undress. For it is the jubilee. It shall be holy to you. You shall eat the increase thereof out of the field. 
In that year of this jubilee, you shall return every man to his possession. And if you sell anything to your neighbor or buy anything of your neighbor's hand, you shall not oppress one another. According to the number of years after the jubilee, you shall buy of your neighbor, and according to the number of years of the fruits, you shall sell to you. According to the multitude of the years, you shall increase the price thereof, and according to the uh, fewness of the years, you shall diminish. In other words, there were specific things that you did when you returned the property or whatever. You shall therefore not, you shall not therefore oppress one another, but you shall fear the Lord your God, for I am the Lord your God. Verse 17. Now let's turn to Hebrews, the ninth chapter, as we look at the work of our high priest today. On this day of atonement, I think he has a responsibility and that maybe part of that is what we read in Leviticus, the 16th chapter, in making a reconciliation for us. The Bible says all of sin that comes short of the glory of God. We need, we need our Savior. We need a loving Savior. We need someone who is who understands us, who understands our weaknesses. And he walked on this earth. He was able to interact with humans and understood. He says there in, in, verse, in chapter um, 9, verse 1, Then verily, for the first covenant had also ordinances of divine service in a worldly sanctuary. For there was a tabernacle made, and the first wherein was the candlestick and the table and the showbread, which is called the sanctuary. And after the veil, the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all which had the golden censer and the Ark of the Covenant overlaid round about with gold, wherein was a golden pot that had manna and Aaron's rod that budded in the tables of the covenant. And over, to, over, and over it the cherubims of glory, shadowing the mercy seat, of which we cannot now speak particularly. I imagine it was absolutely beautiful. They took the most precious of woods that, they could, that was available, and then they... they overlaid it everything with gold and the craftsmen were probably um, just par excellence because God gave part of his spirit to them so they could make it as he wanted it to be made he says and, and, and over the cherubims of glory shadowing the mercy seat of which we are not cannot particularly speak now when these things were thus ordained, the priests went always into the first tabernacle, accompanying, accompanying the service of God, which daily sacrifices and uh, keeping different things going, and the um, incense and everything. Um, all of those things had to be done on a daily basis, which I'm not going to talk about today. Um, but into the second the high priest alone, once every year, not without blood. So on the Day of Atonement, that high priest would go in to that, to that veil, which he offered for himself and for the errors of the people. The Holy Spirit this signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest, while as the first tabernacle was yet standing, which was a figure for the time when present in which 
were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him the, the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience. Yeah, I was, had to do it over and over again. And, which stood only in meats and drinks and different washings and carnal ordinances imposed upon them until the time of reformation. But Christ being come a high priest of good things to come. I remember several years ago I heard this. Uh, on the, I was just listening to it um, rather than reading it. I was listening to it. And one of the things that really comes out when you, when you listen to the book of Hebrews, and especially when you get to 9 and 10 and different ones, is this, this part here where it says, become a high priest of good things to come by a greater and a more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building. Those things seem to just jump out at you. It's, it's a better way. It's, it's something that God had already planned. He wanted it to be in place for you and I, for the future. Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood. He entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. He, he obtained eternal redemption for us. He says, For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of the heifer sprinkling unclean uh, sanctifies to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serving the living God. So that's the work that is going on in, in the heavenly places today. It is a work of cleaning us up spiritually. Cleaning us up spiritually. Working inside of us. We need to be... We need to be conscious of this. We need to have our minds attuned to the work that's going on in that new creation, that new creature that dwells in us so that we can properly act to God and we can properly act to one another. We can properly understand where he wants us, what he wants us to do in our life and how he wants us to live on a daily basis. These are the things that are, that, that are coming from, from the heavenly Jerusalem, from the heavenly um, holiness and the Holy of Holies. I mean, that's the original Holy of Holies right there. And for this cause, he has made the mediator of the New Testament or New Covenant that by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the first covenant or testament, that they which were are called um, call might receive the promise of an eternal inheritance. The work that's going on right now, that's being done in heaven, is for us. That we might receive the eternal, eternal inheritance that is promised to us. If we hold fast what we understand about the holy days, and especially about this day of redemption of reconciliation. These are so important that we come to a better and deeper understanding of them. For where a testament is, there also must be a necessity be the death of the tester, testator. For a testament is a force after men are dead. Otherwise, it has no strength um, at all while the testator lives. Whereupon neither the first testament was 
dedicated without blood. For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of the calves and of the goats with water and scarlet wool, hyssop, and sprinkled both the book and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the testimony which God has enjoined to you. Moreover, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry. And also, and almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And without the shedding of blood is no remission. And we see in that, <clears throat> we see in that um, uh, Leviticus the 16th, in that, uh, in that ceremony or that, uh, what he had to go through, all of it was the blood sacrifices. He had to bring that blood into the sanctuary. He had to bring that blood all the way into the Holy of Holies. He had to sprinkle that blood on everything for the cleansing of the children of Israel. And it says here that that has not stopped. It was therefore necessary that the patterns of things in heaven should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ has not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. It is a work of his ministry as our high priest to appear before God for you and I. For then he must have often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now, once in the end of the world, has he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And as it is appointed to men once to die, but after this the judgment, so Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and to them that look to, for him shall he appear the second time without sin to salvation. In chapter 10, because it goes on. This is a, this is a very interesting and complex thing that, that God has given us to help us to understand what's going on. Why do, we, why do we come to the Day of Atonement? What's the point? Why, why are we here? we here? Why are we humbling ourselves? Why, are we, why do we sacrifice this time um, when we could be out being in the world? Because it is so important what God is doing, what he is preparing for us, the eternal kingdom that he, is, he has, has set aside for his children who are willing and able to be obedient through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and all that they're doing. For the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things can never with those sacrifices which were offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered because that the worshipers once purged should have no more conscience of sin. But in those sacrifices there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. For it is not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Wherefore, when he comes into the world, he says, Sacrifice and offering you would not, but a body have you prepared for me. And burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin you have had no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book it is written of me to do your will, O God. It was about Christ and his willingness to, to be sacrificed. Above, when he said, Sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings and offerings for sin, you would not, neither had pleasure then therein, which are offered by the law 
Then said he, Lo, I come to you, I, I come to do your will, O God. I come to do your will, O God. He makes the first, uh, he takes away the first that he may establish the second by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. It is a, a wonderful sacrifice that our Savior gave us and gives us so much hope because we have the hope of the kingdom. We have hope of being with him and with the Father. And, and even though we still have problems and still have uh, sins and we're still burdened with those things, we know that that high priest is there and he is there for us. He says, Every high priest stands daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man, after he has offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. From hereafter, expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. So he's looking forward to that day and coming back to this earth. And all of those enemies will, be, will bow to Christ. For by one offering he has perfected forever them that are sanctified. In other words, that them that are made holy through his offering, through his sacrifice. It isn't what we do, brethren. It is what the Father, in forgiving us, in giving us a hope of the kingdom. Whereof the Holy Spirit also is a witness to us, for after that he had said before, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts and into their minds, and I will write them. And their sins and their iniquities I will remember no more. You know, maybe that looks back to that goat where all of those sins are moved away. I will remember them no more. They go into the wilderness. They're not a part of my clean and holy brethren and, and children, my clean and holy children. They're not a part of it. I have removed them from my sight. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by this blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he has consecrated for us, through the veil, that is to say his flesh. He's opened that veil up. When we go to the Father and we bend down on our knees or however we pray, we can go right into that veil. Remember, that priest could not enter in. <laughs> they were afraid. I mean, they even had ropes on the priests, I understand, that if he didn't sacrifice properly, they brought him out. Because so, they couldn't go in. No one but the high priest could go in. But that veil has been removed through Christ and we go to the Father through Jesus Christ having therefore boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus by that new and living way which he has consecrated for us through the veil that is to say his flesh and having a high priest over the house of God let us draw near with a true heart and the full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. You see, it looks back, doesn't it? That was the, the whole point, that those sins were to be removed and the washings were to, to bring in that cleanness. cleanness. And we see in, t in, this, in, uh, in Hebrews here, 
We are to draw near with that pure heart, with that true heart, with full assurance of faith, not to be, um, not to be skeptical of the, of the Holy Spirit that's been given to us, but to have full assurance of the faith of that, that we have that Spirit dwelling in us and we have that hope that when either Christ returns or we, we die, that we are going to be in the kingdom of God with the Father and with the Son. <clears throat> Sprinkled from an even con evil conscience and our bodies worse with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that have that promised. Let us consider one another to provoke to love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another so much more as you see the days approaching. We are living in some very troubling times. This is a very difficult um, world that we live in and we may be facing more trials and more tribulations as, as uh, some of these very horrible diseases come into our, our nation. And it's, it's hard to, to know why we didn't think about leaving them where they were having problems. But now that what's in our nation, we say, oh, we can take care of it. But we don't know. We just have to trust that, um, that God will take care of us and, 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 and provide for us, even in troubling times that might be coming. As it says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves, but exhorting one another. For if we sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remains no more sacrifice for sins. We had one sacrifice, our Savior, Jesus Christ. We accept Jesus Christ as our personal Savior when we're baptized. We actually, we actually um, say that. We ask, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Have you repented of your sins? We ask those questions. And so we expect those things, if they answer in the affirmative, that they are going to live in that way. He says, they'll be fearful, but a certain fearful looking for judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three, uh, under two or three witnesses. How much sore punishment suppose you shall he uh, be thought worthy who has trodden underfoot the Son of God and has counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified and unholy thing and has done despite to the spirit of grace and of course that is uh, you know, that would truly be the unpardonable sin because they, they have just denied the sacrifice of Jesus Christ for we know him that has said vengeance belongs to me I recompense says the Lord and again the Lord shall judge his people. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Fear. We should be respectful and loving of our Father for what he has given us, but we fear that, you know, if we do what he has commanded us to do, we should fear those things. But called remembers the former days in which, after you were illuminated, you endured a great fight of, of afflictions, partly while you were made grazing stock, both by reproaches and afflictions, and partly while you became companions of them that were so used. For you had compassion on me and my bonds and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that you have in heaven a better and an enduring substance. 
Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which has great recompense of reward. Great recompense of reward. That's an interesting... There is a great payment waiting for us in the kingdom of God. And we, I don't think we can actually imagine the inheritance that we have waiting for us. I look at the heavens, I look at the things that God has created, and he says all of those are for his children. But we don't understand and we don't comprehend everything because we're pretty much stuck on this earth, aren't we? We're uh, beings that have to, to take our earth with us if we go outside of, of, this, uh, of this sphere. He says, for you have need of patience, that after you have done the will of God, that you might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that, is, that shall come will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith, that if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back to perdition or to destruction, but of them that believe to the saving of the world. That's us, brethren. I have a couple, of, I have three more scriptures about Jesus, who is our atonement, our propitiation. In Romans, the third chapter, we see that he is doing his work as a high priest in heaven, and he is also the sacrifice, he is also the atonement. He has taken all of those responsibilities. Three in verse 25, whom God has set for it to be a propitiation. Now let's see. Let's go to verse 23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that it is that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. So we see what, what they did in, uh, in Israel, in the tabernacle, then in the, uh, in the temple. Those are all gone. But it's still going on. Because Christ is our high priest and he is our atonement. And he is there for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. He is at the right hand of the Father. And we can be very, very thankful for that. We can rejoice on this day. We can rejoice that there's only one day and not days of atonement. As I am, uh, Miriam will get on the, uh, on the phone with her, her brother in, uh, in Oregon. And uh, I'll be back there just, you know, my head's hurting and my... And I'm just really thirsty as the day gets close to the end. And, and she's sitting there talking and talking and talking. And an hour will go by, and the you know, sun's been down for an hour, and they're still talking, and another hour will go by. I've had everything. I've had you know, water and coffee and uh, everything I wanted to eat, and she's still on the phone talking. So I, I don't know how she does it, but they, seem to, they, they both seem to have a, um, a thing about talking on the Day of Atonement. Uh, that uh, goes on for a very long time. <laughs> uh, all right, First John 2 and verse 2, I guess. First John 2, 2. My little children, verse 1. I, my, I like this. My little children, these things write I to you that you sin not. 
And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins. He is the appeasement, the legal satisfaction, the atonement, uh, you know, whatever you want to call it. Uh, He is that very special sacrifice for our sins and for ours only. And not for ours only, but for also for the sins of the whole world. Because that's what it's all about. God wanted to start out with Israel. And he wanted them to, to shine throughout the whole world. And he's, going to, and he's going to force that on them. And they are going to shine, but the whole world will understand and they will come to this or they will not have a part in the kingdom of God. The world will be resurrected and they will understand or they will not have a part in this. In 1 John 4 and verse 10, Herein is love that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. He is the atoning sacrifice. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. And it is so wonderful to understand what he is doing today and the, and the promises that are there and all of the things that are that we have before us and we have a time coming in which we will be rejoicing and I wanted to leave with you all a, uh, a little blessing because I know we're all going to be traveling to the feast or some will be here but uh, some will be making long trips and um, I always think about our brethren on the road or in the air wherever they're at that um, God be with them and there was a blessing that was left in the Bible uh, for the priests. I'm not a priest, but uh, I always think that it's a wonderful thing because we won't be meeting each other again until after the feast. We won't have, uh, we'll all go our different ways or we'll be in Branson or wherever. And we'll be rejoicing, but then we'll come back. But I want you to know that God really does love you. And he has given us a, a wonderful blessing. He says, um, to bless and keep you. The Lord bless and keep you. The Lord make his, fi- his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And may you rejoice and enjoy the rest of this day of atonement for what it means. And may you rejoice and enjoy the Feast of Tabernacles as it's coming up very, very shortly.